Can't get enough of Rebel Girls? Well, luckily, the Rebel Girls app is now completely free. That's right, you can listen to the entire library of goodnight stories for Rebel Girls ad-free. Plus, check out the app's cool features like activities, trivia, custom playlists, and more. All parent-trusted and kids-safe. Find out more at rebelgirls.com slash audio and download the Rebel Girls app today. Thanks for listening. Have you heard the news? The best podcast for dinosaur fans is out and a roaring good time for all. What happens when a bolt of lightning hits a digger machine on top of a site that's full of dinosaur fossils? Uh, the digger turns into Digger Rex, of course. Join Digger Rex, the half-dinosaur, half-digger, on his adventures by searching for Digger Rex on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This watery tale, Story Club members, might make you jump in a lake, or not. It's one I call Drayon Lake. Madison Cummings could not wait to go to Drayon Lake summer camp. It sounded like so much fun from the brochure. There were all kinds of crafts like jewelry making, woodworking, pottery, and basket weaving. Plus, there were loads of activities like singing group, swim team, rowing crew, and even training to be a junior lifeguard. Madison's best friend, Lisa Parkins, was also going, so it was gonna be great. They even had a cabin together with one other roommate they would meet when they arrived. It was gonna be a fun-filled two weeks in the middle of July. When Madison and Lisa arrived at Drayon Lake summer camp, they met their roommate, Poppy Smith, who seemed a little out there, but who was totally cool. The three girls shared their cabin on the banks of Drayon Lake, a vast body of water surrounded by mountains. You know this place used to be called Dragon Lake about a hundred years ago, right? Poppy said. How do you know that? Madison asked. Because I looked it up. Why Dragon Lake? Because there were sea dragons living in the lake, Poppy said. Eventually, though, they changed their name to Drayon Lake to protect their kind. People naturally forgot, but there are a couple of websites that expose the truth. You're crazy, Lisa said. There are no such things as sea dragons. Hey, don't take it from me, Poppy said. Look it up. Madison tried, but there was no Wi-Fi out here in the sticks. They were 40 miles from the nearest town. I can't. Then you'll just have to trust me, Poppy winked. Trust you? Trust you with what? Mindy Drake asked sharply as she popped her head into the cabin. Mindy was one of the camp counselors. She was super cool, but she was also very protective of the campers and the camp. Trust me with having a good time, Poppy lied. Poppy was just telling us that this used to be called Dragon Lake before it was Drayon, Madison said. Is that true? I believe there's some truth to that, but I can't be sure, the counselor said. Landmark names change all the time though. But Poppy said that there were sea dragons here and they changed the name to protect themselves, Lisa said. That sounds like an urban legend, Mindy retorted. Like alligators in the sewers or the hook-handed madman. But I read it on the internet, Poppy insisted. That was your first mistake, Mindy said. You can't believe everything you hear and read online. Then she clapped her hands sharply together. Now who's ready to learn advanced life-saving techniques for drowning victims? After dinner in the cafeteria cabin, Madison watched Mindy and some of the other counselors, Tyson Armand and Aiden Thorne. They were a tight-knit group, joking and laughing and eating together. 
Madison watched them until Mindy peered over at her table. Madison suddenly got interested in her lumpy mashed potatoes and then pretended to eat them. Why do you keep looking over at the counselors? Lisa whispered. I don't know, Madison said. There's something off about them. You're just weirded out about Poppy's dumb story. Madison shrugged. Maybe. After dinner, and then singing songs by the campfire before bed, Madison kept watching Counselor Mindy, whose eyes flashed as the fire turned to embers in the night. Once it was all lights out around the campsite, Madison could not sleep, and got up to use the outhouse. Through the cabin window, Madison could see the nearly full moon shining in the clear night sky, and the Douglas fir trees swaying in the gentle summer breeze. It's beautiful and creepy here at the same time, Madison thought. She woke up Lissa. Hey. What? Come with me to the outhouse. I'm warm and cozy in here, Lisa said, pulling up her sleeping bag. Ask Poppy. Fine, grumpy face. Go back to sleep. Madison went over to Poppy's bunk, but noticed that it was empty. What she thought was Poppy was only her pillow set up in her sleeping bag to make it appear like she was in her bag. What now? Lisa said as Madison shook her again. Poppy isn't in her bunk. She's outside somewhere. She probably had to go to the bathroom. Um, but why would she prop her pillow up to make it look like she's still sleeping if she was only going to be gone for a couple of minutes? Lisa rose. Good point. Madison and Lissa grabbed a flashlight and headed out into the campground. It was quiet. Too quiet. They heard some snoring from other cabins as some of their fellow campers were in a deep slumber. Shh, Madison said. Turn off the light. What? I thought I heard voices. Lisa snapped off the light and they listened. Yep, faint voices. It was hard to tell what direction they were coming from, though. Sound tended to bounce around in the woods and off the gentle lapping waters of Dreon Lake. Finally, they pinpointed it. It was near the boathouse where all the rowboats were kept. They snuck up to the building, stumbling in the darkness, but not daring to turn on the light. When they arrived, they saw Mindy on the dock. She was talking to somebody in the water. No, not somebody, something. It was some kind of sea dragon. The size of a man, but green-skinned with scales and fiery eyes. The creature held something in the water with it. Poppy. What was going on? Madison accidentally stepped on a stick which snapped. Mindy turned. Tyson. Something hissed behind Madison and Lisa. It was another one of the sea dragons standing on its hind feet, its tail thrashing against the dirt. Get moving. The thing hissed. Madison and Lissa were escorted to the dock. Counselor Mindy pulled Poppy, who was unconscious, out of the water and laid her on the dock. What did you do to her? Madison asked, totally terrified. Lissa was shaking beside her, speechless like a leaf. Mindy smiled, revealing a mouth full of teeth. She's one of us now. What are all of you? We're the last of our kind, and we intend to keep it that way. We were once camp kids like you, and we became what we are now from the ancestors. Poppy just now went through the ritual of the water dragon. She was snooping around, and we can't have our secret getting out. It would destroy us. We won't tell anyone, we promise. <laughs> no, you won't, because you'll either become one of us, like your friend Poppy here, or you'll become fish food at the bottom of the lake. But I don't want to be a monster like you, Lisa managed to squeak. We're not monsters, we're shapeshifters. You can live a fairly normal life appearing as a human. You'll have to hydrate your body once a day, most likely taking a long bath. 
and at least once a year, you must return to Dreon Lake for its healing, nurturing waters or you'll die. But if you don't come with us now, you'll die anyway, Dragon Counselor Tyson hissed. Madison and Lisa looked at each other. Wow, I'd say that Madison and Lisa are in quite the pickle here. What do you think they'll choose? Me personally, I'd go with Water Dragon. I swim in my pool every day anyway. I mean, heck, I might even swim better with webbed hands and feet, just like the creature from the Black Lagoon. But I digress. I guess some secrets and mysteries like that of Dreon Lake are better left unknown and unsolved. Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This haunted place I visited in Florida, Story Club members, is called St. Augustine's Lighthouse. St. Augustine, Florida is considered the oldest city in the United States. Founded in 1565 by Spanish Admiral Pedro Menendez de Aviles, Florida's first governor, the city has a long history, and it's had enough centuries to grow an impressive population of ghosts. St. Augustine is considered to be the most haunted city in the Sunshine State, and, of course, that's exactly the reason I decided to visit it with my trusty traveling companions Willow Yates and Autumn Nash. We were heading down to Panama City for a long, wild spring break weekend, but I could not resist a detour to the spooky city of St. Augustine. Surely you know me and my travel habits by now, beloved listeners. And as usual, I did not tell Willow my plan. There's no way she'd voluntarily visit the most haunted city in the panhandle. St. Augustine has several haunted sites, including the Castillo de San Marcos, the Old Jail, the Spanish Military Hospital, the Casa Monica Hotel, Flagler College, the oldest wooden schoolhouse, the Huguenot Cemetery, the Casablanca Inn, and Harry's Seafood Bar and Grill, among others. But the one I was most interested in checking out was St. Augustine's Lighthouse. Constructed in 1874, the 165-foot-tall St. Augustine Lighthouse features 219 spiral steps leading all the way to the top. Visitors to the haunted lighthouse have reported hearing children's laughter and footsteps, while others have heard mysterious voices, smelled cigar smoke, and even viewed a shadowy figure at the top of the lighthouse. Others have encountered the so-called Man in Blue in the basement of the former lighthouse keeper's house. The St. Augustine Lighthouse has made several appearances on the now-defunct paranormal reality TV series Ghost Hunters. And Country Living Magazine listed the St. Augustine Lighthouse among 25 of the most haunted places in America that horror fans need to visit. They did not have to sell me on it. I couldn't wait to visit. When you get there, the lighthouse appears white with a black candy cane stripe that runs up the tower. It's capped with a red cupola where the lantern is. It's quite the picturesque structure and doesn't look like your typical haunted house at all, but it is. We entered through the lighthouse keeper's entrance and climbed up the winding iron staircase. I recommend you being up on your cardio before climbing those stairs, or you'll be gasping for breath by the time you reach the top. The sun was setting by the time we reached the top and walked out on the circular balcony overlooking the town below. Autumn and I tried to get Willow to look down, but heights terrify her. I can't blame her. Even my stomach got a little woozy looking over the railing, peering 165 feet down. I could feel the corn dog I had for lunch churning in my guts. Being the psychic medium she is, Autumn closed her eyes and reached out with her extrasensory vibrations to see if she could feel anything. Any spirits that might be lingering, that is. There's definitely no shortage of possible ghosts in the area. One of the lighthouse's first keepers was Peter Rasmussen. Known for his watchful eye of maintaining the lighthouse, Peter had a love of cigars. 
He's one of the first ghosts people had reported coming in contact with. Over the years, staff members and guests have reported the smell of Peter's cigar. Another ghostly possibility is Joseph Andrew, who's said to linger at the top of the tower. His presence at the lighthouse might be explained by the fact that he fell to his death while painting the outside of the tower. His spirit may never have left, and is often reported seen peering out from the top of the tower as the man in blue. However, the most well-known ghosts of the lighthouse are two young sisters who died on the property. Hezekiah Pitti was hired to renovate the tower in the late 1800s. His daughters, Eliza and Mary, were playing inside a cart that was being used to carry materials back and forth to the lighthouse. When the cart broke loose, they weren't able to jump out in time, and the cart slid rapidly into the bay, plummeting both girls into a watery grave. As I mentioned before, children's laughter is often heard. Could it be Eliza and Mary playing in the afterlife? It was getting late, so we decided to go. We were the last of the tourists to leave the top of the lighthouse and climb down the stairs. As we did, Autumn told us to stop. There was somebody with us, somebody we couldn't see. Willow told Autumn to stop trying to scare her. I finally had to come clean to her that the St. Augustine lighthouse was famous for being haunted. Willow basically lost it right there. And I've never seen a person fly down a flight of iron stairs so fast. Sorry, Willow. As we climbed down the stairs and walked out of the lighthouse keeper's house, somebody was waving to us from the top of the tower. It looked like a man in blue, but it was too hard to tell. He was so far away. I tried to zoom in with my camera and snap a picture, but as I did, he vanished. Willow waited for us at the rental car. She had enough of haunted lighthouses. When I told her about St. Augustine's famous reputation as the most haunted city in Florida, Willow made us drive straight to Panama City without stopping. So much for exploring. Goodbye, St. Augustine. Maybe I'll return someday to your shining beacon of light in the darkness. Do you like to laugh? Ah, uh, who am I kidding? Who doesn't like to laugh? So, okay, if you love to laugh, you'll love Don't Break the Rules. It's a hilarious comedy improv podcast where the voice actors make up their lines on the spot and try to be the only actor who doesn't break the rules. These talented actors are great at coming up with silly scenes and stories when they follow the rules for the episode. And it gets even sillier when they accidentally break the rules. The stories are guided by suggestions from kids like you, and the episodes feature laughs, burps, and the occasional unicorn. So if you'd like to giggle and play along, be sure to listen to Don't Break the Rules wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This arresting place I visited in California Story Club members is called Alcatraz Prison. Alcatraz Prison was considered inescapable. That's because the prison, located on a small island in the San Francisco Bay, is surrounded by freezing water and swift currents. America's most dangerous criminals were sent to Alcatraz. Its history began in the 1850s, when the United States built a fortress on the island to protect San Francisco, but it was never needed. So, in 1868, the fortress was adapted into a military prison. In 1909, however, most of the original fortress was demolished, and later, a new prison was built, which became known as Alcatraz Prison, or The Rock. It opened in 1934. 
The construction of the infamous Alcatraz prison was done by many of the prisoners themselves. Alcatraz was known for its strict and harsh treatment of the prisoners, and many died within its walls. Eventually, it was shut down in 1963 and made into a national park. Since then, paranormal activity has been reported by the park rangers and night watchmen who work there after daily visitors leave the island on tour boats and return to the mainland. A small confined space with no light, cell 14D, was where inmates were sent for bad behavior. It was nicknamed The Hole. When the prison was first opened, an eerie incident was reported. An inmate in cell 14D screamed to the Alcatraz guards that a monster with glowing eyes was in the dark cell and was going to get him. The next morning, the cell was opened and the inmate was found dead. During the prison headcount later that same morning, the guards counted one extra prisoner. The guards who counted claimed to have seen the murdered prisoner standing among the ranks of his living inmates and then vanishing. Al Capone, a ruthless Chicago gang leader in the 1920s and 30s, was arguably the most famous inmate in Alcatraz. During recess, when prisoners were out on the main yard, the guards would let Capone practice his banjo in the showers. To this day, park attendants still report hearing the twangs of a banjo coming from within the showers area. Creepy things aside for a moment, San Francisco is a terrific city to visit. Fantastic food, and it's so picturesque with lots of landmarks like the Golden Gate Bridge, the Fisherman's Wharf, the Museum of Modern Art, Pier 39, the Exploratorium, Muir Woods National Park, Lombard Street, and City Lights Bookstore. The one attraction I was most drawn to though, obviously, was the haunted one. Unfortunately, Willow Yates decided to stay on the mainland and tour the Ghirardelli Chocolate Factory. So, my psychic friend Autumn Nash and I took a boat out to the island and went on one of the Alcatraz ghost tours. Immediately debarking off the boat and onto the island, a cold breeze off the bay swept through us. It had been a warm day earlier, we hadn't needed our jackets. But wow, that breeze off the bay was icy. Autumn and I huddled in our hoodies and took the tour. Alcatraz was vast and scary. I really could not imagine spending the last years of my life here as so many prisoners did. Of course, I don't rob banks or commit murders either, like many of the inmates were famous for. Autumn said she felt psychic vibrations everywhere on Alcatraz, and they were hard to pinpoint precisely due to them bouncing off the concrete and steel structure. We checked out the showers area where Al Capone supposedly played his banjo music, but unfortunately, it was silent. Then we checked cell 14D. It looked exactly like all the other cramped cells with white and green painted walls. Autumn didn't pick up any vibrations there, and thankfully there were no monsters with glowing eyes inside. Although it was a stimulating place and a little eerie, we didn't encounter any spirits in Alcatraz. That is, until we were walking away. Then Autumn said she heard music, the picking of a banjo. And yeah, I heard it too. It was coming from inside. The ghost of Al Capone was giving us a musical send-off. I couldn't identify the song, so I had Siri identify it for me. It was called We'll Meet Again. A chill shuddered through me, and it wasn't from the icy breeze off the bay this time. Autumn and I quickly escaped onto the boat, the last ones leaving the island, and huddled up close to each other until we arrived safely back to shore. There, we happily reunited with Willow and had hot chocolate to warm ourselves up. Strangely though, on the jukebox in the little restaurant, We'll Meet Again began playing. Real creepy. We all beat a hasty retreat back to our hotel room. That was enough ghost chasing for us one day, thank you very much. And do you know what we did when we got back to our hotel room? We decided to listen to some other, less terrifying adventures on the Go Could Go network. 
There are so many great stories from Go Kid Go, like Bobby Wonder, about a 10-year-old alien who has to protect the town of Pflugerville from villainous Mighty Mila, and Lucy Wow over in the Big Red Barn inventing all sorts of cool stuff with her mechanical pygmy goat, Capel. And, of course, Martha and Waffle being totally hilarious nitwits in the underground world of Floosville. Go Kid Go even has a peaceful story train to take your mind off the story club terrors at bedtime. That's the one Autumn, Willow, and I listen to after our Alcatraz adventure. So remember that when you need a quick break from the non-stop story club scares. Just search for Bobby Wonder, Lucy Wow, Floosville, or Story Train wherever you get your podcast and you'll find your way to a great time. And I better see you back here tomorrow for another eerie episode, because every R.L. Stein story club member needs a little fright every day. Ivy out! Go kid, go! Aren't adventurers supposed to have a specific purpose? What are you doing on this quest? Just meeting strangers? Yep, my purpose is to have no purpose. Though, I sort of find purpose as I go. My basket! It's missing! I have tried many means of defense, but none have yet proven successful. I just wish someone would succeed in getting that darn sword. I am under attack by this ruffian! I want to be big and strong and fight evil. I have hope that if you show up at her door, she might listen. Want to help me yell at them? With your sword? In a threatening manner? Sidequesting is a fantasy podcast about avoiding the main plot. It follows Ryan, an adventurer who's willing to help just about anyone out, as long as they're not being asked to deal with that scary wizard everyone keeps talking about. Subscribe today on your favorite podcast app.